interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Glad to have you along. Stu Kearns, your host here. It's a, hey, it's the first program of the new year. Uh, thanks, by the way, to Dan Alberts for filling in for me last week. What a great interview with, uh, uh, again, uh, a woman who has suffered, who has triumphed, who is uh, serving God here in the community as a chaplain. And uh, so uh, very grateful that uh, Nosheen took her time to be in here and, and talk with Dan about what it was like growing up uh, in a, a Muslim-majority culture and uh, experiencing the freedom uh, of, uh, of the way things are here and uh, being able to live out her Christian faith in that way. Uh, great, great interview. Appreciate that, Dan. And speaking of Dan, I've got another Dan in the uh, studio today. I'm great at, uh, grateful to be joined today by the lead pastor at First Free here in town, Danny Lamont. How are you doing, Danny? Doing really good. Glad to be here, Sue. Thanks. Yeah. Where? Remind us where First Free is. First Free is located on 84th Street. Um, it's just up there in Church Row, kind of mm-hmm. right across from where the Fresh Market is and uh, I guess the, the scooter's up there, which is kind of my home away from home. Gotcha. Speaking of the fresh market, uh, do you ever get over to the fairway to get some of that good uh, good meat? Oh, I try to. We are uh, we're definitely carnivores in our house, and so it's a it's a feast or famine. Yes. Well, you know, uh, just for whatever it's worth, uh, my doctor told me the last time I visited <laughs> that uh, that actually beef is good brain food. Oh, that is good to hear. So, and that, and that, I mean, we've got it out. Yeah. Like he's actually an MD. That's amazing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we do try to have a few veggies here and there. I grew up in a house where, you know, we wanted to be healthy. And so every now and then there was a, a can of cream corn with some butter slapped on top of it. <laughs> but yeah, we love a good steak in our house. Oh, that's awesome. I think MD, by the way, stands for meat doctor, but it could be, I could, and I, man, no, it's medical. I'm mm, pretty sure it's medical. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, we never know what's going to be happening this week, but, uh, as, as I, uh, again, it was a few weeks ago that we, uh, at CU said, Hey, sure. I'll do the program with you. And then I, uh, I always famously say, you know, well, you know, we'll have to see what happens that week. And we could talk about a lot of things, but sometimes something happens in the news that is, uh, it's remarkable mm-hmm. you know, it could be remarkably horrible or remarkably beautiful. And, uh, this week it was remarkably, uh, horrible. Uh, what were you doing Monday night? Well, actually, interestingly enough, so I, I have four kiddos, um, ranging from, I've got a, a sophomore in high school all the way down to a first grader. Um, one of my middle kids, my 12 year old Noah, he's just gotten into sports. And so he's played them for a long time, but now he's, uh, he's transitioned from wanting to watch programs or Disney plus to, Hey, what games on tonight, dad? Mm. And so he had decided, Hey, do you want to watch the Monday night football game? Um, we just got done watching the college football national championship semifinals and those were really exciting. And so it was just kind of like another game in that, um, vein. And so we sat down to watch it. And next thing I know, um, you know, we're watching this young man uh, have CPR done to him on the field in the uh, midst of delays and a bunch of NFL players crying. And so um, we sat there for quite a while just speechless watching. Mm. Now, again, any of us who have watched sports, and if you're watching football, it's a violent game. We know that. But, uh, but having said that, 
Um, what were some of the things that you saw and that I saw that said, this ain't like that? This is this, something different is happening, and, and it mm. became fairly clear fairly quickly. Yeah. I think the the first thing, we've, I mean, there had been actually a few different injuries that preceded that that were kind of delaying the pace of the game. But when they when they went and did the replay, you could see that there were there were two different uh, individuals on the the field that immediately were on walkie talkies. And to me, watching really primarily as a dad at that point, going, "Uh oh, what's what's going on here?" Um, to very quickly seeing players having, I mean, what seemed to be unbelievable emotional responses, mm-hmm. a crowd gathering around. Um, I thought ESPN, for what it's worth, um, was reverent, um, trying to respect just the process. But as the delay lingered on, you had to wonder, this seems far worse than than just simply a concussion. Yeah, yeah. And it was hard to imagine. I mean, there have been some horrible, horrible. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Joe Theismann, you know, uh, mm. leg break. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, we've, there have been just horrible, horrible injuries, mm-hmm. but, that, they're, but they're injuries. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, by the way, just as an aside, I, I had to convince my mom that I should play football mm. when I was a kid. And, yeah. and say, you're going to get hurt. I won't get hurt. It'll be fine. I mm-hmm. won't get hurt. And uh, first week of practice, I, I uh, turns out I broke my ankle. <laughs> oh man! And, but I didn't want to admit that I was not okay. So yeah. coach said, "Can I take you home?" No, 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 no. I'll, I'll ride my bike. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pedal on one foot, and then I get home. We have a tall driveway, and I can't, I can't quite, you know, get get the bike up the driveway. Oh, so I have goodness. to crawl up the driveway to get in. And I get to the door, and I everybody's sitting at the dinner table, and uh, and of course I'm at the 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 bottom of it mm-hmm. just kind of peeking in the door and of course they asked who are you okay and of course i responded of course i'm fine <laughs> no yeah. problem wow uh until they took me to the hospital and set my ankle for a broken leg so that's just we know these things happen right yeah and they and they uh i i there's no guarantee i could have given my mom hey i'll never get that stupid right? yeah but but immediately, the expressions of the players, the the attention, the time. Um, uh, what were your initial suspicions then? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. Which, side note, you must have been an unbelievably tough kid to make it all the way home <laughs> on a broken ankle. But um, you know, my my initial thought uh, they show the replay, and you know, Demar stands up, and then you can tell he loses consciousness and and falls directly mm. backwards. My thought immediately was. Oh my! God, I, he must be knocked out. There must be something mm-hmm. going on. Um, but where real life begins to connect with what we're watching on TV, my my wife has spent um, she spent a year of the pandemic going through the accelerated nursing program at at UNMC, and um, that has brought in a whole new um, just education into our home of what health looks like, what medical care looks like. And so, um, when the announcers came on and said that CPR was being performed. Knowing what that means now, um, knowing that that's that's a an aspect or a reaction that's taken when life and death is on the line, mm. it shifted things completely for me. Yeah. Um, began to then have conversations with my son that he actually initiated, um, very similar to the the players and and those on ESPN. We should pray for him. We mm-hmm. should pray for mm-hmm. um, health for his life. Um, and it it's interesting because you turn on the television looking to be entertained and. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of times entertainment, you want it to have the illusion of real life, no matter what program you're watching, but you don't, you don't really want it to be real life. And it, it suddenly went from a game that kids play, as you're talking about convincing your mom to, is this a game that's going to take this individual's life? And, um, 
what what will be the fallout from that? And so my thoughts began to immediately shift to the human laying there on the field, not the player. Yeah. You know, I, I must admit, I have never been uh, present when somebody's been mm-hmm. being administered a CPR. Mm-hmm. But I have two good friends who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did it to friends and relatives uh, and and neither one of them survived. Mm. Uh, I there's something about uh, you know you get the training, you learn the things, but uh, yeah. I I don't know how I would react mm-hmm. in that kind of a situation. Yeah, is your wife uh, now? Uh, does she? Is that part of? I mean, they're teaching her all the medical things. She needs to be mm-hmm. a nurse, but but do they also come alongside with some kind of practical emotional skill sets of? How you how you function in a crisis like that? You know, it's it's interesting that you, that you ask that question because my wife, if you knew her and were to meet her on the street, she's one of the most docile, quiet, um, would identify as an introvert, and yet um, she will say her own description is: if you saw me at the hospital, you wouldn't know me. Um, mm. She works at local emergency department, and so it's a lot of times life and death situations, um, regardless of age and. Being able to react in the moment today, actually, she's going through some traumatic um, role playing and training that's taking place up in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is interesting because I think we all have a tendency to project how we think we would react in a variety of situations, um, maybe one that is life or death. But until you're in that moment to know what that's like. Um, and so with that, she has been in several of those moments. And, um, you know, both of us are, are big, um, I guess, uh, encouragement towards counseling for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. but we've both engaged in counseling in a variety of ways just to help us process what did, what did we just experience? What have we gone through? Mm-hmm. Um, cause it is, it's much easier to kind of become numb and emotionally, um, stunted or, uh, or you allow your emotions overwhelm you. And so how do you actually learn to identify them, learn to process them? I think that's, what's even interesting watching, you know, the question is not should the game be played or how do these teams move forward, but how are these players and fans and those that are around, how do they process grief, trauma, pain? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more in-depth questions that, that need to be answered. Yeah, yeah. Let's pick up this up after our first break here and come back. I think, again, we uh, a lot of us, we saw this on television. We've all experienced trauma in various ways, uh, so we want to – Again, process this, and maybe we'll uh, also turn the corner a bit. And just as pastors, uh, and and you've you've studied this and experienced this. How do we how do we encourage and counsel people uh, through uh, a traumatic experience like that? Sound good? Sounds great. That's great. It's a it's a friendly fire Saturday here, <laughs> talking with the lead pastor Daniel Mont. He's the pastor at First Free, with a bunch of other pastors too, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you are listening to Friendly Fire on uh, The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back talking with uh, Danny Lamont. He's uh, one of the pastors at First Free here in Lincoln. And um, we were talking about the uh, DeMar Hamlin situation and processing grief. Uh, just a couple more things about that evening. There was one doctor said, um, I was hoping they would resume the game. And I thought, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> well, uh, okay. And then later it made sense then. He said, mm-hmm. okay, if they resume the game, that means he's okay. Mm-hmm. If they don't resume the game, that means that he's in serious trouble. So in his heart, he's just saying, restart the game, restart the game, restart mm-hmm. the game. Meaning... He's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But that didn't come for 
for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and so we're kind of left in this holding pattern of, of what's going on, how do I react, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it struck me that we are in a culture where we know everything instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And we're used to that. And, and, but this is real life. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going to know for quite a while, mm-hmm. and that's the way life usually works, right? Yeah. Uh, how did uh, how did that impact you, and how do you think it impacted a lot of the other uh, uh, viewers? Uh, you know, to maybe not push back, but to to take it to a different level, I think we're the assumption is is that we're used to having instant information. I don't know that we're used to having instant information as much as we are prone to give an instant reaction regardless mm. of the information. Yep. Um, and so, you know, there's uh, the thing that I was thinking at the time, and I think even viewers are thinking about is, you know, they kept on trying to decide, do we go back to the studio? Do we stay on the field? Do we keep going to commercial break after commercial break after commercial break? And you could almost sense, I mean, ESPN is the most professional best in the world at what they do and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And you know, that I think a just a gift or a blessing in life, a sign of emotional maturity is the ability to say, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what we should do right now. I don't know the information and I'm going to be willing to take the time. I think if anything, the past three years should have taught us that of uh, we respond in the moment without a lack of clarity, without a lack of know-how. And if we could take a deep breath, if we could just, mm-hmm. okay, what, what am I actually seeing? What am I actually feeling? And just relieve ourselves of that pressure. I think, you know, whether it's on news reports, I feel it as a pastor oftentimes. Like, I'm, do I need to have something to say about everything? Mm. And that's one of the interesting things, you know, over my time um, in ministry, of, I've felt this pressure of that I'm supposed to be an expert on everything from politics to, uh, you know, the Huskers coaching search. Mm. And in reality, I'm not an expert on anything. Um, I just, I'm someone trying to learn and trying to grow. And giving people the ability to to do that on their own is it's difficult, um, but I think it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. There are, one of the positive reactions, um, and I don't think we see this a lot on television anymore, but was we saw people praying, mm. and we saw calls for prayer, mm-hmm. and we and that was accepted as completely natural and normal. There wasn't mm-hmm. any, there was no. You know, you're mixing your faith with, uh, you know, yeah. with with football or anything like that. Um, is it how how do you see these kinds of events can, you know, a, a crisis can do some things that good times can't do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and in, in particular, uh, as pastors, seeing people awkwardly re- reaching out to God. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a there's a quote that's attributed to a variety of, of individuals in history, but everybody is carrying a burden that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. I think a unifying experience of humanity is that we do experience pain. We do experience difficulty. Um, that there's a reason why we resonate with Cinderella stories with, uh, nobody watches the movie about the guy who was born into wealth and riches and lived an amazing life and died in wealth and riches. That's, that's how you have a box office flop, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, it's somebody who they, they're born into some adverse circumstances that we can all identify with and we all long to see them overcome that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a unifying reality there. What's interesting about that is 
most often in life, especially when things I think are clicking, we have a tendency to to want to ask what are the what's the willpower or what are the steps you did to get to where you're at, and I'm just going to mimic those. Um, and in reality, there's a unifying factor of when that pain happens, regardless of who you believe God is or what faith you would identify with. There seems to be something that's ingrained in us as humans that there there has to be something, someone that we can pray to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think oftentimes, speaking for maybe out of line, but from the Christian perspective, we have a tendency then to to judge those who would, were like, well, you don't follow God in the rest of your life, so why do you think you should pray to him? The God that I see in Scripture, I mean, those are the moments where he meets us uh, right where we need him to. Yeah. And so um, for me, it's one of those things that I'm I'm mesmerized by players on the field that are kneeling down, that players that are crying out, mm-hmm. um, that players that are saying this this can't be real, this can't be taking place. Like God, please heal him, please change him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, um, but one of the ESPN announcers, um, you know, he prayed live on air, and mm-hmm. it, it is gone um, viral on a lot of the networks that I'm connected with. And it's raw and it's honest. He says in his prayer, he says, God, I don't understand. God, in some ways I'm angry. But yet the reason I'm praying to you is I believe that you have some answers, that you have some sort of control. And there's something I think that happens in tragedy that we realize how little control we really have, but yet we need someone to have that control. And that someone for us within um, those that identify as Christians, we believe that that Jesus is the one that's in control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that those those simple ideas that God is good, mm. and God actually involves Himself in our affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, well, that's that's certainly a starting point. Yeah, isn't it? Um, you know, we are in an occupation where, again, not necessarily this kind of crisis, but mm. it's, um, but similar. You know, we we walk into rooms that that's we wouldn't always choose to walk into because yeah. it's a part of what we do uh, as we serve the the congregation, as we serve Jesus. Mm. And uh, as you, uh, again, you've been in ministry for a long time. Uh, as you know, I'm walking into a room where there's grief, there's suffering, there's pain, there's whatever in there. Are there any, sometimes as I'm, as I'm in the elevator in the hospital or something, yeah. I have a little pep talk. Do you, do you have any pep talk reminders or things that you, uh, that you want to carry in the front of your mind as you enter a room like that? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I got into, to pastoring cause I love preaching. Mm. Um, it's my gifting. It's what I love to do. Um, and what I've learned is, is that may be the, the, the crux of Sunday. That is very little, a very small percentage of what pastoring is. Pastoring is being there at people's best moments of births and weddings and celebrations and really being there at their worst, um, you know, when they've they're found out they're getting a divorce or they've they've come to rock bottom of their addiction or death or something has taken place. And so um, I think what I've learned over time, the pep talk that I give myself now, um, I used to feel like I need to come into this room and I need to to relieve people of that pain. I need to relieve them of that that grief. Um, somehow I need to give them some hope. And a, a combination of two things, a, a specific passage of scripture and then a book I read called Managing Leadership Anxiety um, by a pastor named Steve Cuss, um, who was a chaplain at a hospital. So he was always going into these rooms. Um, I learned just the value, and I try to remind myself this in the elevator going up, is my role isn't to solve their problem. It may just be to be with them in stillness and in silence, mm-hmm. that it's 
better actually to hold my tongue, which as a pastor is interesting because I want to teach. I always want to talk. But in reality, more damage can be done in what I say in those moments and where healing actually can begin to take place is just the way that we're wired for connection, um, for touch. And so uh, the passage that comes to mind, you know, kids will jokingly say that they've memorized John eleven thirty two, Jesus wept, because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. <laughs> um, but it comes in the context of Jesus goes and meets with um, Mary, and Mary has just lost her brother Lazarus, who is Jesus's, for lack of a better term, what many believe, one of his best friends, if not his best friend. He has died. He's been dead for four days. And it's in that moment that Mary comes and it says she beats on Jesus's chest that she says, if you would have been here, he would not have died. And then it says Jesus wept. Mm. And I think about the ways that I would have responded if I was Jesus to to put her in her place, to say, listen, the story's going to go on and I'm actually going to raise him from the grave. Or who are you to talk to me? I'm God. But instead, the essence of Jesus, of what it means that the incarnation that he became man is he comes with us. He suffers. Compassion means to suffer with. Mm. That he weeps in that moment. That he identifies with our pain. And so my role going up there um, in that elevator is I'm going to be still, silent, and I want to be with them in their pain, which is not my personality. I'm I'm much more happy-go-lucky. I'd rather be laughing. I'd rather be uh, going to a party. Um, but, you know, there are those moments where, you know, real life brings you together in a way that you wouldn't expect or maybe even wouldn't want um, but there's a chance for depth and for relationship there. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, let's uh, let's take one more break here, another break, and then we'll uh, come back. I want to pick up that theme a little bit um, because I think that's a rich theme for us, especially as American Christians. Mm. What are our expectations of God? Mm. And, and I think sometimes our our expectations do not line up with what the what the Bible teaches. Mm. Um, you are listening to Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, uh, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with uh, Danny Lamont. He's the lead pastor at First Free over there on 84th Street. And as we were talking about uh, responding to uh, you know pain and sorrow and sadness, um, one of the things that I've been reading, and I've actually thought this for quite a bit, we, we talk sometimes about the health and wealth gospel, mm. meaning that, well, hey, if you follow Jesus and his plan for your life, you're going you're gonna to never have, you know, physical pain and, and you're going to, you know, be wealthy, you know, you're a child of the king. And so there's, we think about that kind of extreme version of it. But, but what I've been thinking about a lot is, is I think, okay, we would reject that. We say, well, that's not the Bible and that's mm-hmm. silly. That's kind of, okay, but there's a version of it in America. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, well, he didn't have to make me like super wealthy, but, mm. but if I follow Jesus and I obey the Bible, I'm going to live a good life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that good life to some degree means I'm going to have, you know, well, at least enough money to live on. Yeah. And I'm going to have, well, you know, at least decent health Mm -hmm. and it's like so it isn't the classic version of it but there's some version of it like like Mm -hmm. if i if i follow jesus god kind of owes me a Mm. a decent life and i don't think the rest of the world necessarily has that idea but i think a lot of my people your people Mm -hmm. american christians do have that Mm -hmm. is that an overstatement oh no i think um i think it's one of the the wrestlings um that many have with god if god is good then God should give me a good life. 
the question is, is what does good mean? Mm. Um, what is a good God and what is a good life? I think, you know, I've, I've got a, a foster, uh, we had a foster son. We were in the foster care system for a while as parents and caretakers. And we ended up getting to adopt out of that system. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I've, I've seen the home that he would have grown up in. Mm-hmm. I've seen that environment. Um, and yet we are not a wealthy family. Um, you know, we're not, my, my wallet, um, is not too, uh, too small for my fifties. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, and so, but in that we're, we are, we're well taken care of. Our needs are met. Um, but yet my kids, um, still have complaints. And I think about that from a perspective of dad and go, man, I, I don't know what his life would have turned out to be, but I know it wouldn't have been this life. And I think oftentimes we look at God and we, we project on him the life that we think we should have, mm. not knowing the life that he's protected us from having, not knowing the ways that he has been kind and good and orchestrated us to the point that we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting. You know, I've gotten to take several missions trips myself, but also um, this summer I took two of my kids. We went to Brazil. And and one of the things that my kids said that was really striking is, is she said, Dad, I just don't understand how they're smiling all the time. They don't even have shoes. They don't have these things. Now I think that the converse to that is then we can have we can have guilt over should we have nothing then should we give everything away and I think it's not about prosperity or about poverty I think it's more about just connection with God understanding God is he is you said just a little bit ago before the break that God is intimately involved in our lives and so my question of a good life is is that materialistic or is that a good life knowing him and being able to connect with him mm. to to see God in a laughing child to to feel him and as weird as it sounds here in Nebraska when it snows to look out and know man I've I've been washed as white as that snow is it's on the ground mm. um to think through those things and to begin to pay attention to the life that he has given us I think we moved to Nebraska 4 years ago and you know the the slogan the good life um really I just got pressed into my heart of what does that actually mean and what does that look like? And um, I'm still learning that, still growing in that um, because there's, you know, we just came out of Christmas and there, there is, there's the, the greed that can be there um, mm-hmm. even within, within uh, you know, what we, we would hope to be a good pastor home. Um, but in reality, <laughs> we're, we're just humans just like yeah. everybody else and yeah. trying to learn what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, well, yeah, they're, uh, it, it's very, very difficult not to covet mm. when you live in a prosperous society where, there, where it's, there's always somebody who has more. Yeah. There's always somebody who's a little bit further along. Um, yeah. There, uh, there, boy, I would imagine the, uh, the uh, foster care situation, mm-hmm. again, it, it puts you in a unique position to see, uh, again, we, we don't know how things would go if, if you know, mm-hmm. children landed at a different place. Yeah. But that's something you've actively... Uh, thought about and it's sobering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's unbelievably sobering because one, I think that one of the things that it does is it, it causes you to realize or see, I, I don't want to say that God has uh, given me more favor than he's given others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does help you maybe to be humbled from a standpoint of oftentimes I think we believe we've gotten to where we are in life because we've achieved something. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize all the different ways that we're blessed down to the, the home that we were born into, the the school, that elementary school that was picked for us, that we didn't pick for ourselves, just all those different things that are laid out for us um, that, you know, as a kid, you're just worried about, do your Legos get together, um, you know? And so, or Lego, not Legos, I've been educated. Oh, um, 
you know, and so, so there becomes a reality of just understanding God's blessing in my life. It's not just materialistic, just his activity in that. Um, and you know, the, the thing about foster care is, um, these are just kids, you know, they're, they're kids that, um, that God sees, that God knows, and he's not asking you to rescue them. He's asking you to love them. Um, Mm. and so that's something anybody can do. Yeah. That was, um, well, I like that. That's, I'll be quoting that. Uh, that's, uh, it's, you were talking about then the, the material versus this, I would say the spiritual mm-hmm. blessings or, or the relational blessings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that ultimately, uh, again, our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbor mm-hmm. and, uh, that, uh, just a couple minutes till the break. How do we, how do we kind of test ourselves to see where our treasure lies mm. whether it's in really the material stuff of life that is, 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 is measurable mm-hmm. versus, uh, the quality of the relationships that I'm mm-hmm. developing with God, that I'm developing with my my neighbor, my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do? What are some of the questions you might ask yourself to say, "Am I? Am I? Is my treasure in the right in the mm-hmm. right category?" Yeah, I think that's that's a great question because I think that the two extremes that we live on is either complete materialism or some sort of martyrdom that we're going to deny ourselves everything. The question I try to to work through is, "Am I enjoying this?" Or does this own me? Um, mm. And just a, a, I guess a filter that that we try to run through things in our house is: um, Am I placing my my life in the hands of anything that could be taken from me in a phone call? Mm. A phone call from a doctor that says that my health isn't there, uh, the market um, crashing, um, an accident taking place. All those things would be difficult and hard, um, but they don't change who I am. They don't change my name. They don't change. Um, the way that God sees me as his child, as his son, they, they don't change, um, my ability to know him, to engage with him. And so asking myself that, um, has allowed me to really be able to enjoy things without feeling guilty that I have them. Um, but also knowing that, you know, if they, if I didn't have them, I'd be okay. Yeah. Oh, I like that too. All right. Hey, I'm getting some takeaways, folks. Are you getting some? Uh, I don't know if you take notes out there, but you should. Um, uh, talking to, to one last break, I, before I said la- one more, but this is the, actually the last break. Mm. And, uh, then we'll come back. We're going to do a little shameless plug. And then I'm going to ask you, you're, you're fairly active on social media and you had an mm-hmm. interesting post this past week. I wanted to pick your brain on that a little bit. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. Talking with uh, pastor Danny Lamont from first free. Good to have you along on uh, the voice of Lincoln, 1499, three KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Danny Lamont here from First Free. And uh, Pastor Danny, it is the time where we always do a shameless plug. <laughs> so I say to you, uh, whatever whatever you feel like plugging, plug away. Oh, well, thanks. I, You know, we, we moved to Lincoln four years ago um, and... Moved in and things just, I mean, they exploded for us. We were just so excited to be here. There was a lot of new, a lot of excitement. And it, it seemed like, it, in fact, the description that was used is, oh, you must be in the honeymoon phase. Um, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this was not what I was expecting. But we got two weeks, right? Um, we'll ride this curve <laughs> out. And, <laughs> um, but it's interesting. There are a lot of things that I would, um, I wish never would have happened. Um, but on the flip side, it it kind of centered us. I think it, Mm. it made things, um, 
le- not less exciting. I don't want to put it that way, but it just grounded us more quickly. Um, it allowed us to really engage. And so it's, um, I would say it shifted our church, um, our church, um, which I love, um, an amazing community of people up at first free, but, um, we now have learned that the church isn't just about coming and getting some teaching, but really trying to learn and press into what does it mean to care for one another? What does it mean to actually have genuine community? That's not just based around an event or an activity, but it's based on being known by name, um, being known and then in turn being loved. And so, um, we have gone through a pretty, I don't, not a cosmetic transformation. The building looks the exact same, same carpet. Um, but I think we've gone through quite a bit of soul searching together and, and now we're on the cusp of, um, you know, as we move forward and we ask what's next, uh, we just have some really exciting things going on. Um, we're in a series right now called life with God. And so, you know, is that something that we can actually encounter or do we just hold on till heaven? Um, so we're walking through that as we prep for um, just some really fun things. Uh, last summer we did something called All Together Summer, and so we had food trucks. We rented out a um, a huge splash park and had about 500 people there. It was just insane, um, but it, insane in a good way. And so with that, um, I think the other thing that's that's happened is we've just begun to see people that really resemble, I guess, what we've seen in Scripture, different walks in life, different political opinions, different um, ideas about sexuality or um, poverty or um, all different things, but gathering together in Sunday and being able to to have dialogue on those things, um, but still see each other first and foremost as people created in the image of God, that we're humans. And so um, it's really exciting. We're pretty pretty pumped about what God's doing. Oh, that's great. What's the, uh, now you said the address, it's roughly um, south of... 84th and Van Dorn? Yeah, yeah. So technically the building is 3300 um, mm-hmm. South 84th Street. Um, so yeah, come see us on and Sunday, then, 9 or 1030. And what's the website? Website is firstfreelincoln.org. Firstfreelincoln.org. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the problems with our jobs mm. is that we I don't always get to visit other churches. Yeah. So one of these times when I have a Sunday off, I'll just I'll just pop in and surprise you. Oh, we love that. But uh, but it's it's very hard. Uh, uh, and when it happens to me, you know, it's like, honestly, it usually happens when somebody retires. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So I'm only eight years or so away, 10 years, whatever, from retiring. So you just have to stick okay. around that long. I'll book my calendar. OK, book the calendar. That's right. That's right. Um, one other thing I just want to get into a little bit, we were, uh, you had mentioned on a Facebook post and I thought it was some, I was, I appreciated your transparency. Mm-hmm. You're talking about sometimes again, in fact, I know that, uh, we did a service, another, some other churches have done a service before the holidays talking about a blue Christmas yeah. and how do you deal with uh, sadness, sorrow. It seemed to me like your post was a little bit more like the post Christmas. Mm-hmm. Hey, I had all these great things and family, and but now mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, we're kind of in this year of part of the year where it's a little bit of a lull. Yeah. What what was it that you were trying to describe in terms of your version mm. of kind of holiday blues? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, it can be Christmas and a season like that. It can be a vacation. Um, I think there are a variety of ways that maybe sometimes we engage in escapism that. We want to kind of step out of our real life, and and Christmas, you know, can be just an opportunity for that. There's there's this intense season. I like I said, I'm a dad of four kids. I love being a dad of, of my four kiddos, and so they're out of school. There's just so much more time we can have, and it's filled with movies and popcorn and games and all those different things. I love Christmas lights and the ways that it morphs the neighborhood, the the music and and um 
in stores and stuff. And so, you know, I I went shopping this past week uh, to exchange a couple of things, and it it just was felt empty. And it was a lot quieter, and there wasn't the hustle and bustle and all those things that we complain about during that season. And I just found myself kind of down and mm-hmm. came back to the house, and my son was feeling the same way. And so we may or may not have cried together um, for a little bit. <laughs> um, but then I was just struck by what Christmas really is. Um, that Christmas isn't this one day that we kind of forget all of life to, to be together, but rather Christmas is a reminder of ultimately what, what it means that Jesus has come, what it means that God loves us. And so it's this, um, it's a reminder of this kickoff into, and God is available and he's, he's there for us. And it, it goes beyond just one day. It's for the rest of our days, um, and beyond. And so, um, I'm still learning to walk in that. I, I think, you know, one of the, the things that really COVID did for me that I'm trying to, to continue is it made me slow down. Mm-hmm. It made me stop moving so quickly to take deep breaths to um, really the, the phrase I'd use is I'm trying to pay attention to what I pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was just a, a mark in that season for me. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've, I've learned in that regard this past year was uh, uh, just learning when I'm sad mm-hmm. uh, to just allow myself to be sad yeah instead of i think especially as pastors you know we have we give ourselves the pep talk hey mm-hmm. god is good and god mm-hmm. is, is at work and they're and, and, we, and we list all the good things we think are happening out there yeah. and all that kind of stuff and then uh, and i so i i finally it only took me 60 years to figure this out mm-hmm. but i yeah i finally gave myself the permission to just be sad mm-hmm. and it and here's a crazy crazy thing it ends more quickly Mm. When I, instead of fighting it and trying to like coach myself into, no, 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 it's okay. God Mm -hmm. is good and it's all going to be okay and it's all going to work out and he has a plan and blah, blah, blah. And kind of like badgering myself with Mm -hmm. the theology of optimism and, and, and good theology. I mean, true theology, right? But I just finally said, okay, if I'm sad today, I'm just going to take the day to be sad. Yeah. Um, why is that so hard for us to to do that? It gets, gets all kind of all the way back around to the circle of grief. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think really close to sadness is shame, and mm. so the what I feel, and probably you feel this too, is um, the way that the way that when we start to feel sad, the pep talk that we start to give ourselves is, "What's wrong with you? You mm. should feel like you should feel better. Look at your life. Look at the blessings. Why why aren't you grateful for the?" And so. We just mm. guilt is such an easy go to um, to try to yeah. try to motivate us. It's a it's an amazing motivator, but it's a it's one that doesn't last and that doesn't in the end provide healing. Mm. And so one of the things I try to ask myself in the midst of sadness is if I'm making a lot of should statements, shame's probably sitting there. Mm. And so instead, you know what what we see in the garden is when Adam and Eve clothe themselves because they're naked and ashamed, God actually calls them out and says no come out here, be with me. And then he replaces those fig leaves with better clothes. And so being able to just understand that the Bible is not a book of up, 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 up. It's a, it's a book of a lot of failure and a lot of tears, but that those tears, it tells us in Psalm that God's kept track of them, that he knows them and he sees them. And one day he'll wipe them all away. But right now we do, we live in a broken world and to act like it's not broken is actually just lying to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, and the people around us, again, they're, they aren't fooled, are they? No, no way. They can yeah. see it. We're yeah. all bad actors. We are very bad actors, and and so, there, but it's a it's like a dance, isn't it? Of to of appropriating the promises of God and the hope mm-hmm. that that offers, and yet at the same time, uh, not pretending 
that that things are things are as they should be right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think one. It's funny pretending. I mean, that's what you do as a child, right? But as an adult, you're supposed to to be done with pretending. Um, and I think in reality, what happens is as an adult, uh, we just become more and more good at pretending, more and more. Um, we try to hide behind it and instead, you know, crying out, that's how a baby gets the attention of its parents. Mm -hmm. And so when we experience pain, like we cry out to our dad and say, mm -hmm. Abba, like this hurts. I'm, yeah. and again, going back to that, John 11, God doesn't shame us and say, why are you crying? He comes yeah. and cries with us mm -hmm. that he sits there and that we find a, a more genuine, um, authentic connection with him because, if anybody, Jesus has experienced that pain, that betrayal. It says that in every way he's been tempted as we are. And so he relates to us. He sympathizes. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes him unique. Yeah, we really don't believe that, though, do we? No. It's like, oh, well, now Jesus had some kind of a secret past. Mm -hmm. and he didn't really experience life the way I do. Yeah. And uh, how do you, I've uh, got about a minute left, how do you convince somebody to know that that's actually true? Yeah. I think one of the ways is is historically when you study outside of Scripture Jesus was a real person. He was a real man by historians verified, a real human. He experienced real pain and real death. And so when you go and read those accounts, he wasn't getting the thorns pushed into his forehead and he went, nod. That doesn't, I can't feel it. He was, he was wailing. He was crying. He said, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. He was as human as human can be. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time to come down here My today. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, just a great time today chatting with uh, Pastor Danny Lamont uh, from First Free. And if you do get a chance to visit on a Sunday, uh, you know, First Free is one of the anchor churches in town. And we're really glad that you're there to, to help lead the crew. That's oh, my privilege. You bet. I leave you seeing as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.